You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 60. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking all about the future of a diverse and equitable PMO. This episode is sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora Systems is a worldwide leader in providing enterprise PPM solutions to global organizations and government agencies, such as Honeywell, Alanco, PwC, City of London, and the UK's National Health Service. Cora is a proven foundation for the delivery of projects, digital transformation, and strategic objectives, fully digitizing program and project life cycles, providing total transparency, empowering decision-making, and streamlining governance and reporting. Every day across more than 50 countries, over 20 billion worth of projects are managed on the Cora platform. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Cora Systems. And to join me for that conversation is Sherry James. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the program. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for being here. So everyone, let me tell you a little bit about Sherry before we dive in. So Sherry is an accomplished PMO director and people leader and has been actively engaged on the speaker circuit for well over 10 years. Her presentations have taught audiences next generation leadership, corporate mental health, suicide prevention, and leadership development. Sherry created the nonprofit hashtag 2020 lives changed to touch 2020 lives by facilitating difficult conversations regarding mental health and suicide prevention. So again, Sherry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a great Absolutely. A great time for this conversation. Oh yeah. And you know, frankly, any time is a great time for this conversation. And I think as you and I have talked and we're going to dive into today, this isn't a one-time conversation or a conversation we want to be having only when it's a hot topic. It's really something that we should be thinking about and talking about all the time. And that's why I thought it was so important to invite you onto the podcast to talk about this now and to have this out there for people to listen to next year and the year after to really come back to this topic of the future of PMOs from an equitable, diverse, and inclusive perspective. So thank you for being here and talking about this. And I thought that you actually bring a really interesting perspective because you've worked in HR, you've worked in training, and you've also been a PMO leader and build several PMOs. So can you talk a little bit about your background before we dive in? Sure, actually, I'd love to. I, I I like to tell people that I was I've always been in project management, even when I was in human resources and vice versa. So one of the things that I appreciate about being a PMO leader is that you've got to understand the people. You have to be very understanding of different backgrounds, different cultures, different age ranges, because ultimately a PMO leader is a leader of all three people, processes, and technology. So I started out at AT AT&T a very, very long time ago, and before the divestiture and trivestiture, and they split up and they all came back together. I was a part of that original group of leaders who understood the importance of human 
management. So training and coaching, I got the, I, I got to learn to build new hire training programs. I had the opportunity to facilitate those at both AT&T, AT&T Wireless. And then subsequently I did the same thing at 7-Eleven corporate, cause that's based here in Dallas, Texas as well. And so I had, you know, that was way back when training was instructor led all the time and you got to yeah. stay in the class. And then I, I, um, I had the opportunity to hear a lot of people's great ideas about what they wanted to do after they got out of training. And that's how I kind of transitioned into project management because I had that passion for people. I knew how to train them and coach them, but then I also wanted to be there with them when they saw these ideas through to fruition. And uh, that's how I moved into project management. I wanted the same people who were passionate about the things that they wanted to do and change. Those then became projects that I helped them to execute. To me, it seems like a normal, tra- you know, a normal transition from human resources and training into project management. That's so cool. And I love hearing people's stories about how they end up in project management and how they end up in PMOs and you know, my story, I was in, you know, a computer science program at Virginia Tech, one of four women in my graduating class, and then happened upon project management purely by accident, because I ended up being the person that would go grab the whiteboard marker and go up to the whiteboard to try and, you know, solve a problem we were having. And I loved solving problems. And then I learned you can actually solve bigger problems when you get more people involved. And poof, before you knew it, I was in project management. (laughs) And it was so fun to see, oh, I like, I liked that role. The people that were the ones that brought the, all the people ide- and ideas together to you know, figure out how to solve the problem best. And I think that's such an incredible part of all of this is the bringing of people together and really including all the different ideas and the different perspectives in order to make sure that you're solving the problems in the best possible way and that you're getting all of those unique perspectives and drawing those out. So that's why it's important to me, but I'd love if you could share your perspective on why diversity inclusion is so important for PMO leaders and what our mostly PMO leader audience and what I call our impact driver community, our impact drivers need to understand about why this is so important and what they should be doing about it. Okay, thank you. Yes, so um, my my perspective is a little unique. So I, like I said, I came from training and development. I came from HR and human resources. When I moved into the PMO, and obviously I built, I've, I've built multiple PMOs, but the technology part is the thing that I love the most. I love tech and technology and teaching people to use the tools that they have to make sure that their projects are successful. So having that people, process, and technology um, passion around each of those three pillars has been awesome. Like, I think it's interesting to go into a room and people are like, wait a minute, why is she here? And and this is, I'm going to just give you some very fortunate slash unfortunate examples of being, you know, at the table as a PMO leader, but having people not understand, well, she's a woman. How is she talking about technology? Or, you know, yeah, it happens. And so it, I've got way more examples than, I, than I'd than i like to of people thinking that I should be there from a support perspective. I've been in meetings where I was there to talk about the portfolio and the project management uh, aspect of the whole company. And I was the person that's like, okay, we've got $7 million this year to spend and here's how we will allocate those across projects. But I've had people literally look at me and go, are you, you know, and I'll just make up a name. Are you Bob's you know, secretary, are you here to take notes? Like, why Why are you here? Wow. So I want to talk about some of the microaggressions that kind of exist in corporate America from a PMO leader perspective. 
um, talk about how sometimes it's not intentional, it's not on purpose, but you have to assume that everyone that's at the table has a right to be at the table, just like you do. And don't make assumptions about a person's role based on their skin color, based on their sex or their gender. It happens. And so what we're going to talk about today is how to just uncover some of that unconscious bias that we might incorporate, you know, we, we might uh, run into as a PMO leader. I will tell you about some of my experiences and how I've been able to bounce back some of the tools that I've used to make sure that my teams understand why you've got to take another person's perspective and think about it from their persona. So it's, it's, a, it's been interesting. I've got some funny stories and some horror stories, but the whole point of it is let's have this uncomfortable conversation here so yeah. that it doesn't happen for our PMO you know, leaders so that they don't have to end up in a bad spot. Yeah. And so there's kind of two angles to this from what I'm hearing from you. And I certainly also had my own experiences as a PMO leader going into meetings, especially early in my career, Sherry, when I was in my 20s running PMOs back in the 90s and early this century. And I remember people, you know, saying that they didn't understand my role and why I was there. And I was so much younger than everybody else. And so they weren't sure how I could possibly be coming in and telling them all the things they needed to do differently and the things that they were doing wrong and what they needed to be considering because they're like, who is this young kid telling us to do this stuff? So you can have some preconceived notions about somebody based on a lot of different things, including their age. And I certainly, you know, being in my twenties when I'm building my first PMO and then subsequently and PMOs after that, I certainly dealt with a lot of that because everybody on the team was older than me. Everybody that I was working with, my sponsors, my stakeholders, everybody was older than me. And I definitely felt a little bit of that from that perspective as well. So there's that side of it as the PMO leader, but then there's the other side of it as to how do you make sure in your own teams that you're supporting diversity and inclusion. So there's us being in the role of having to justify our seat at the table, maybe, or feeling like we have to. And then there's the role of what can we do from a leadership perspective to ensure that that diversity inclusion exists in our own team and that we're not having these biases against people based on preconceived notions of whether or not they belong in that room. So I'm really glad you brought that up. There's two different sides of this that we need to explore. Definitely. And one of the things that I I love about what we do from a PMO leader is that we have the opportunity to ask questions that might not have gotten asked outside of our teams. So right now, if you imagine, I am a part of a PMO that is global, for example. I've got people who look like me, people who don't look like me, people who are as young as I am, who are older than I am. And it's my responsibility to ask the right questions and to facilitate that inclusion. So let me give you an example. If I have been, you know, I I worked um, to build a PMO for an oil and gas company. So an oil and gas leadership team, that C-suite looks very different than what the C-suite for my team that I have for my company, right? So it's my job to say, hey, you know what? We've all been doing this for a long time. We've been managing projects and leading teams for 20 and 30 years. But I'm going to ask the intern on our team for their feedback on how we could best uh, execute this project. And I will tell you that I've done that and I've had the senior leaders at this oil and you know gas company go, wait a minute, why are we asking someone who 
is still in college about their perspective on how to execute this project. Mm -hmm. That's what diversity and inclusion looks like in real life from a PML perspective is that I'm like, you know what, what is your experience? What did, what would it feel like if you were the person who had to, you know, run this platform and to see that person's like, oh, you want, you want my opinion? You want to know what I think about it as an intern? Absolutely. Because your perspective is just as important as mine as a PMO leader. It's just as important as the person who's the CEO or CIO who's been doing this for a long time. We want to make sure that everyone's thought has been taken into consideration. And it was different. It's difficult, right? It's difficult to say, I know we're used to making all the decisions and making all the choices. But let's make sure that everyone can feel like they have buy-in. And that's what inclusion and equity of thought looks like. It's what it feels like. It's uncomfortable at first Mm -hmm. because people are like, why would we ask, you know, that person, someone who's not sitting in the United States, for example. Well, if we are moving, as we all are, we're moving to a digital environment. We're going through digital transformation. And if we can't first stop to understand the differences and appreciate those, then we are not ready for what AI has for us and what, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. We need to learn the differences in each other and the value of that. And as a PMO leader, we, we're, we're set up for that. We already are used to dealing with diverse teams. We're already used to dealing with people from multiple levels of the organization. Um, but we've got to be that champion for change. Make sure that we're asking our teams for their, you know, their thoughts and their insight from their perspective. Oh, that's so good. And you know, what I find interesting about when you do that kind of thing, when you ask the people that aren't the experts, you actually get some of the best answers. I've told my students and I have a a program, our signature program is the Impact Engine PMO program. And we have a coaching component to that. And the coaching students in there, just recently, I've had conversations with them reminding them that those really senior people, like when they're looking to staff, right? I say, you know what, there are advantages to having been there, done that senior people that have built or been in PMOs before, but there is a really beautiful thing to bring somebody in that is new, that is eager to learn, that is open to new ideas and doesn't have the been there, done that experience. So they'll ask different questions. They will, what if the heck out of everything you're putting in place? And I think that's awesome because you will find that's how you evolve. That's how you grow. You will find new ways to solve problems by asking people that you may not have considered to ask before. So I think that you're bringing up a beautiful example of how diversity and inclusion can play out when you're asking people that you wouldn't normally think to ask, or when you're including people in a conversation that aren't necessarily the experts. And I think that's really undersold a lot of times in organizations. And I'm so glad you mentioned specifically that intern role, because I've done that in PMOs before, where we brought in our our newer staff that have never done it before. And they'll solve the problems that we've been looking at in a totally different way. And frankly, a lot easier, right? I mean, there are some advantages to these incoming generations into the workforce and the world they've grown up in, right? And we both have kids that are teenagers now, right? And we're seeing like the way that they pick up technology. We have a mobile app and I put it in front of my son and he was like zooming around and things like, and telling me what was working and what wasn't. He'll zoom around. We use him to do some testing on our website and stuff because he will see the world so differently and, you know, point out things that weren't obvious to us, right? So I'm so glad you brought that up because 
there are so many layers and facets to diversity Mm -hmm. and it's not just, it certainly is, but it's not just your cultural or your ethnic background. It is so many layers to that. And I think all of those are super important. So um, I'm hoping though that we can, you mentioned something I want to kind of come back to where you talked about that difficult, the difficult conversations. So how do you have that first difficult conversation around diversity and inclusion? If you're one of our impact drivers and you're saying totally sold, yes, we need more of this. And It needs to be an ongoing conversation, but how do we get started? Yeah, that's a good question. So right now, racial tensions are high. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's kind of what it is, right? There are conversations that we want to have that we may not know how to. And so I have an Instagram uh, TV show that's called With Your Mind in Mind. And we do things like, we have a segment, it's called Uncomfortable Conversations. And we talk about things like, for example, years ago, I used to have very long hair. And I know when you and I chatted earlier, we talked about hair and how, you know, how your hair changes and what we look like 20 years ago versus now. Um, And so I used to have very long dreadlocks. I used to have my, you you know, my hair grew very, very long. And it it was a focal point, sadly, in some of the, our meetings, right? And so I've had people just kind of walk up to me and run their fingers through my hair. Because what? I, <laughs> That's not creepy. Yeah, right? And so we talk about HR, red flags going off all over the place, right? But it's, it was different because people weren't used to seeing a woman of color with very long hair. This was years ago, right? I cut yeah. it. I cut my hair maybe six or seven years ago, but people didn't know that that was not okay. You would think, right? Like yeah. I wouldn't talk to you and run my fingers through your hair. Yeah. Kind of, I, I understand that my hair was different and they weren't used to seeing it. And it wasn't something they, you know, had seen before, but we have to, as leaders, make sure that we're like, is that okay? Is that something that you would do if I was not a woman of color? And it's an uncomfortable conversation. I, I don't know if asking the question is, is the best way, but sometimes people don't realize that their actions and that their words can trigger things inside that other person. Let me give you a different example. I struggle with migraines and sometimes my migraines cause partial paralysis. Yeah. I'm in wheelchairs. Like I've had strokes, I've been in a wheelchair. Well, that's a different perspective. So when I'm rolling into a business, and I've got to roll in in a wheelchair and the access to that building is very difficult because they haven't thought through the true ADA guidelines, for example. Right. For me, I have been in the wheelchair trying to roll through the windows of some of these high rise offices. And as that person, as that customer, my experience with that team, with that meeting, with that company has met a negative turn. It started off negatively because... No one thought about how do you get a person in this building if they're in a wheelchair? Wow. How do you execute a digital transformation project if you haven't taken into consideration people who may be hard of hearing or people who may not be able to see the screen during the Zoom call? So diversity, again, is not, to your point, it's not just color. It's just not culture. It's how are we thinking through our projects to make sure that all personas have been accounted for. If you're rolling out a new technology or platform, are we thinking about people who are hearing impaired? Are we thinking about people who are visibly impaired? So if we're not doing that, whatever we're creating is not diverse. It's not going to be received in an equitable manner because we didn't stop to think about other people's 
engagement with our projects, right? What if you, yeah. what if I'm English isn't my first language? If I'm using very large words in my project uh, deliverables that could have multiple meanings, then I am going to put a challenge to those of my team who don't speak English as a first language. I'm making it harder for them as a PMO leader, as opposed to making it easier because I only think as an English speaker. I'm only thinking, you know, I know what that means, that pun or that, you know, play on words. It's funny yeah. to me and it may be funny to my counterparts from the U.S., but if I don't have that diversity of thought to say, well, this word may not make sense to my friends who are in India. This play on words may not, it may leave them disengaged. Now they're not going to be able to participate because they feel like they missed out. They don't know why everyone else is laughing. So there's very subtle ways to look at a truly diverse and inclusive organization to make sure that our projects are truly equitable for everyone, for all of our users, for all of our customers, because we've asked those questions. How would a person who's 15 engage with this technology versus someone who's 51? Let's right. ask those questions. And so as PMO leaders, we've got a unique opportunity to ask those uncomfortable questions just for the success of our projects. We wanna make sure that when we roll this functionality out or these features, that everyone who might need to touch them will be able to benefit from them. So it's the first step. That first conversation is just saying, okay, do we think about how someone in a wheelchair would engage with this? Or do we think about how someone who was hard of hearing, right? So that diversity has to, we've got to strengthen our muscles around having diverse conversations from a PMO leader's perspective by utilizing just customer experience questions, right? Let's make sure all of the personas have been covered and right. we understand who's going to engage and make sure that we are making it better for them as well. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. This is great. So for, on the same vein, so we've, we've had those first conversations. Now we know how to be looking for these things. We're a little bit more aware. What if we want to go deeper? And frankly, we all should, right? I believe we should all want to go deeper, learn more and figure out how to educate ourselves even further. And we as PMO leaders have an opportunity and I think a responsibility to educate our teams as well and make sure that they're thinking about these kinds of things. So how would you recommend people kind of dive deeper and we educate ourselves and our teams about diversity and inclusion? Well, most companies have, you know, in their HR department, there's a diversity and inclusion class, of course, more than likely, people haven't taken it since they were new hires. That's usually a part of what happens when you first come on. Yeah. So definitely speaking with your HR representative in your organization to find out about revisiting and revamping your diversity and inclusion program. Because it's so hot in the, the headlines right now, everybody's talking about it. There are people popping up out of the blue that are offering diversity and inclusion training, which is great because a lot of people have that skill set kind of in their back pocket. But, you know, I would say have that conversation with your HR representative. Say that, hey, it'd be great if we could do a diversity and inclusion 2.0 or the future of what diversity and inclusion looks like, because now that we're fully digital, for the most part, we may not have that same down the hall friendship. Everything that we have right now going forward is digital. So we may need to even think about incorporating the digital aspect into our diversity and inclusion. Now know that as a PMO leader, if you offer it, it likely will end up 
as your job. Like, so be prepared. <laughs> to own it, right? Yeah, be prepared to own it and know that if you bring it up, you know, people will go, that sounds like a great project that you should run. But there are so many resources available, like my company and others that are available to come in and do that training and facilitate those conversations, which is usually better, right? Because if it's uncomfortable and it's going to bring some tensions about, sometimes it's easier to pay someone to come in and do that and then leave. And then no one's the bad guy, right? No one uh, internal has to deal with the backlash that might happen. So definitely reach out um, to companies like mine to see if we can come in and help have those conversations and subsequently create a plan for sustainability. The great thing about being a PMO leader is that I understand and love a plan. And I know that if we do amazing things, that's great. But if we don't have a plan to keep it going then it's all for naught. So definitely partnering with someone who can help you create a sustainable plan. So it's not just a one time and done, something that can be remediated quarterly or annually to make sure that your employees are up to speed. Yes. And there's a few things that you're saying there that I wanted to kind of emphasize. So first of all, you're right that there are a lot of organizations that have an HR department, they have diversity and inclusion training, and it could have been years since people participated in that as a PMO leader right now. If I was a PMO leader inside organizations, I would be having everyone on my team go through that training again. And just as a refresher, and I love the idea of then going through that on a regular basis. And there's other things you can do. Like you just don't have to say, okay, check the box. Everybody do the training again. Hey, why don't we do a lunch and learn thing, go through it together and then talk about it and how we would specifically put things in place in our team to ensure that we are considering more diverse conversations in a more inclusive environment with all of our projects and all of our interactions in the organization. So there's that for those that have it. But if you don't, I want to emphasize, if you don't have that in your organization, reach out to Sherry and you can go right to her website, Sherry James PMP, and we'll have a link in the show notes, uh, SherryJamesPMP.com and just go right to her website and learn more or participate in her IGTV weekly show with which I love the name, With Your Mind in Mind, which is super cool, which we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, as well as her weekly Wednesday sessions on uncomfortable conversations. So there are places that you can learn more and go deeper. And Sherry can certainly help you and guide you. And I'm sure they can reach out to you and have a conversation about how you might be able to help them because not every organization has it. I've worked in organizations that had a big you know, emphasis on this and then organizations that did not. And Mm -hmm. so you might be in an organization as an impact driver, if you're in a smaller organization, for example, where you need to start looking externally for these sources. But just because it doesn't exist in your organization doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? You need to be the change that you want to see in the world. And I think that is so important for us as PMO leaders. And you also mentioned something, Sherry, you've got all these value bombs dropping around. I've got to like catch them all because there's so many things here. I want to make sure we you know, talk about. The other thing you mentioned that I thought was really important to emphasize is that you could end up with the great, you now have to run it, right? And I think that's a blessing if you get that, if you get the opportunity to run something like this, because Mm -hmm. as a PMO, you should always be looking for, your team should always be looking for opportunities for influence. This is an incredible opportunity to influence in the organization and to get to know people in the organization. And right now, It is hot on people's minds with everything that's been going on in 2020. And so you're solving a business problem for your business leaders because a lack of diversity and inclusion is a real business problem. And it's not just 
a problem of the moment. It is a real business problem that can really break an organization if they don't have that diversity of thought and perspective, and if they don't find ways to be more inclusive. So being able to, as a PMO, position yourselves to solve that business problem can be a huge benefit to the organization. So I would say, bring it on. If your organization says, yeah, great, can you run that? The answer is, heck yeah. And I'm going to call Sherry (laughs) figure out how to get started. But yes, you definitely want to do that. Because again, the PMO is there to solve business problems. And the more you can do to center yourselves in the PMO as that solution to the organization, the better off that you're going to be. So thank you for bringing all these great ideas, Sherry. I just had to go back and emphasize them because you're just like throwing all this greatness out there. So thank you. No worries. And then to that point, I just want to, because you brought something up and, and I think it's also important that we ensure that we are practicing what we preach and like our PMO teams should be one of the most diverse teams in the organization. So mm-hmm. when you know, if you are going to get gifted with that opportunity to lead that project, know that the first group that they're going to look at are your direct reports, right? Mm-hmm. So make sure that you are cleaning, you know, cleaning house first, make sure that your team does represent a, a diverse organization that you can say, this person's been here 19 years and she can add this. This person's been here for six months, but she brings something different. So be able to articulate the diversity of your own team of your PMO, because that's what people will watch. They're going to go, okay, well, if you actually have a very diverse team and you are utilizing their backgrounds and their differences, then we can do the same thing. So sometimes it starts with just making sure that your team is diverse first. And people will say, oh, the projects are, and then you can use your data. Okay, here's how our projects are faring. Here's how how well they're doing. And here's why. It's because we have, you know, a very equitable team. They believe that they have equity in what, what they're giving us. And here's the outcome, because that's what the business wants to hear, right? They want to they yeah. know, like, why would I even worry about having a diverse team? What benefit would I gain from that? And so when you can easily articulate that because your team is diverse and your team has succeeded on project delivery, then that's easier to go to your C-suite to say, here's why we perform so well is because this is what our team looks like. And then they want to, you know, they would want to emulate that. Yes. And I can tell you from personal experience that I ran very diverse PMOs, both from, you know, from from age to race, to cultural background, to perspectives, to uh, different strengths that people had. Our teams really were just awesome because we had so many different perspectives to the table when we were solving business problems in the PMO. And it also meant as a PMO leader, I had an arsenal of different tools and people that I could deploy to solve different business problems in the organization. And that was huge too. Like I would tell stories to people since then, and certainly in those roles, I was able to say, okay, well, I have this person who's really strong in these skills and that's the kind of project this is. Great. I know who I'm going to use for that. And then there's this one that's totally different, needs a totally different experience, different problem, different stakeholders. They need maybe a much deeper level of handholding. So I'm going to use this different person. And so diversity plays out across so many different perspectives and so many different lenses that it just makes you a powerhouse of an organization the more diverse you have. And, you know, some people might say, well, but we have to speak a common language or, well, we have to all be thinking a certain way. Yes and no. 
use your PMBOK as a you know common language of project management, for example, and mm-hmm. then use the diversity and perspectives to solve the business problem in the best way, right? No, that's good. That's good. That was a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, well, I just, I feel so passionate about this and I feel like it is so important and so misunderstood. And unfortunately, in a lot of perspectives, PMO leaders have so many strains on them that they might be looking at this from a, okay, this is just another thing I need to check off my list, another box to be checked. And I think it just goes so much deeper than that and really helps you, frankly, be seen as a business leader in your organization when you can really not just have diversity. And it's, guys, for all of you impact drivers listening, this isn't just about skin color. This is certainly about that, but it's about so many different facets of diversity that we need to look at all of them and say, and be able to speak to, like you said, Sherry, all of the different ways that your organization is diverse and inclusive and thinking about different people's perspectives and drawing those into the conversation and drawing those into the problem solving process. So I just love that we're talking about this. So thank you so much. <laughs> you, thank you. It's time. And to your point, it's it should always be a part of our conversations as PMO leaders. It's not just what's hot right now and just because what's what's trending. We need to make sure that we incorporate these things as habits, right? Make sure that we have, you know, healthy, diverse, equitable conversations around how we staff our PMO, to your point, how we even send them out on the projects that they work on. But again, the biggest win for your stakeholders is to see it in action. They're like, well, I've seen Laura's team and Laura's team is very good. They're very diverse. I want that same kind of success. And so, absolutely. I think it's a great opportunity too. It's If you are give, chosen, and gifted with this project. It's something that's an easy win, right? Because diversity of thought is usually to, you can have a lunch and learn and go, hey guys, how could we run the PMO differently? And let, you know, someone, one of your stakeholders answer questions and people are like, wow, you really care about the business's perspective on an IT PMO? Absolutely. And people usually want to give their opinions. That's great. Yeah. And you stuck in there this hint about habits. And I want to talk about that as before we wrap up here, I have been reading a book that one of our PMO Impact Summit speakers, Stephen Fulmer sent me called The Compound Effect. And in it, there's, oh, it's just, it's a great book, highly recommend it. And what I'm reading about right now in that book is this concept of habits, the habits you need to break, the habits you need to make, what it takes to actually build new behaviors, mindsets, and ideas into habits. So I'd like to talk about that. Can you share some insights into some things that people can do, our impact drivers can do to make this concept of diversity and inclusion a way of being, a habit and a mindset that they incorporate into the work that they're doing so that this isn't, like you said, just a one and done thing. This is an ongoing forefront of your mind kind of conversation and behavior that you're building into your PMO. Do you have some tips for our impact drivers? Absolutely. The first tip is is you've got to think out of the box, right? And so as a PMO leader, we typically are used to finding requirements and understanding and creating, crafting you, like what what does success look like? But when it comes to making sure that your organization is diverse, it requires some out of the box thinking. So you'll have to spend some time right-brained creative thinking. For example, if um, I'm running a PMO and I've got four open full-time employee positions that I need to fill, if I've done my work to understand the competencies and what's necessary for that person to be successful in that role, and I have, I can choose to bring in, you know, 
I'm just making up math, but I can bring in eight interns as opposed to the four full-time employees, right? Same cost, it doesn't cost anything additional, but it gives me the opportunity to groom and coach and develop the next generation of servant leaders, which is, you know, one of my passions, but I have to be creative. So one of the tips is be creative about how you can engage a different audience for your team. Make sure that you are hiring different, you know, based on what's typical. Because if I write a job a job description for a senior ITPM, chances are they're not going to be 25 because I need 10 years of experience. So right. as a PMO leader, one of those things that I could change is figure out how to staff my team uh, creatively, right? Maybe the opportunity is in bringing on, you know, a resource who doesn't live in the United States. That brings about additional challenges because maybe there's a language barrier. But if I can then teach my team to effectively communicate with their team member, then we're all growing. So the two things, the one is just, you know, make sure that you think outside of the box, offer some intern opportunities that are non-paid. That's worked for me in the past as well to just go, it's not going to cost the company anything, but let me try to bring in someone that offers a different skill set or a different thought process. So those are my two kind of tips that I think people could do right away is be creative with how you staff and, and augment your team, especially when you're doing like a staff augmentation or whatever. You've got to be creative because some some people will be like, nope, I don't want it. I want senior IT PMs and that's it. So you've got to find ways to maybe pop, partner with one of the local universities. A lot of um, like UTD, the University of Texas at Dallas has a great program for uh, project management, a master's program. And they've got students that are looking to give time to projects so that they can learn. So the last tip, I think, is partnering with your local PMI chapter. And because they typically, you know, PMI is a very diverse organization and they can even help you by partnering and volunteering with you with some of your projects to make sure you've got a diverse perspective from your team. Oh, that's a good idea. And, you know, just think about it. If you are in a position where it's like, nope, it's got to be this skill set and it's got to be a senior person, that still gives you a ton of room for diversity. Let's say you do need someone that's more senior, no problem, because you still can say, okay, I can interview. I remember, like, I used to joke, Sherry, that when I was in the DC area and I would speak at all the PMI conferences and stuff in the area, I would say, listen, if your resume has been on the market on the last 10 years, I've seen it because I was constantly high hiring, building PMOs in the DC area, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can tell you that if I was to get 20 resumes in, personalities, strengths, backgrounds, experiences, different sub-markets they've been in. There are so many different ways that you can get diversity from all lenses and all levels just in a set of 20 resumes that all say IT project manager, right? So that's certainly still, that's not a barrier necessarily. You just have to be looking for it, I think. And that's the key. And one of the things that I would do, I've had the, I guess I would call it pleasure (laughs) and a little bit of pain and a ton of lessons learned of building PMOs from the ground up many times. And you're constantly looking for how do we build this team the right way? I would say if you are in a position where you're getting to build or add or augment to your team, you really step back and create a picture, whether it's with post-it notes or on a whiteboard, however you need to visualize the way you're going to serve the organization and those kind of the services that you're providing, making sure that you are looking at the different ways you can solve those problems, the different people that you're going to interact with in the organization, those different stakeholder groups, 
and how they will need to be served and do that first. Like that's to me is huge in our impact engine PMO signature program. We have you assess the organization for impact opportunities and determine how you're going to serve before you figure out who you're going to hire for it for that very reason. Because you've got to make sure that the people you're putting in that organization are going to be the best people to solve a diverse set of problems. So if you just flip it all up upside down, look at who you're serving, how you're serving them, all the different pain points you're going to need to solve, then figure out what services you're going to provide. Then you can figure out the right people you need for that. And when you do that, you will build diversity in right from the start because you're not solving one problem. You're solving different problems for different stakeholder groups, and they're going to need a different level of engagement and perspective and background. I think that it really really lends itself. If you flip it upside down, instead of saying, okay, I need to hire 10 people and just figure it out from kind of the other way first, you can build it right in. Great. I think you're, that's a great point. I think, and you mentioned something about looking at resumes. And so I want to make sure that one of the other things that we can track and monitor as PMO leaders, I would suggest if you do have like an applicant tracking system in your organization, ask some difficult questions about that. So there are some people who will never make it through the applicant tracking system process in order for you to even receive those 20 resumes that you got, right? So I would make sure that you ask the right questions, right? So I have been guilty, this is transparency 101, right? Like I've been guilty of pulling up a resume and if I can't pronounce the name, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know, should I even, and there's a pause and there's a something that happens in my brain. And I'm like, I don't want to mess up this person's name. And so, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'll call them later. But this name is easier to pronounce. This one is. Yeah, you don't even realize you do that stuff. It's not meant to, you know, whatever. But understand that whoever's developing these applicant tracking systems may have a very similar perspective. There might be rules written into the way your applicant tracking system is created to only allow for a certain number of characters, for example, right? Um, And so that's not intentional. It's not meant to be, you know, um, dismissive of people who have more than that number of letters in their name, but kind of, right? And so there's questions that we can ask as PMO leaders from an organization's perspective. Let's just make sure that we haven't accidentally incorporated processes that could intentionally eliminate people or could intentionally leave people out just because, you know, the developer said this should be no more than seven characters. Or if it doesn't say, you know, if these names aren't pulled in, it's not really a last name because here's the database of last names. And if it's not there, then you get a little, you know, the little red squiggly line and behind that it's like, well, something's wrong with it. It gets, it gets kicked out. That's a different conversation for a different day, but make sure that we're asking conversations about the technology that we use from a hiring perspective, from a performance management perspective, to ensure that that even after you've hired a diverse team, that they're being, you know, paid effectively, paid accordingly, that they're not being, you know, managed differently. So there's other questions that we can ask even after those people have been hired. And even if you're not in a place to hire people right now, you can still ask questions about the diversity of the team and the equitable treatment of the employees. Oh yeah, for sure. And for all of you listening, if you're not sure, just ask, right? I mean, that's the thing is that I think a lot of people, like you talked about having that first difficult conversation, 
You're not going to have all the answers. No one knows everything. No one has all the answers and nobody's perfect, right? Sherry just admitted something that she's struggled with in the past. And this is an area of strength of hers. Like this is an area of experience she's had. So Sherry, thank you for being so transparent and honest about that. Cause I think people get very scared to do that, but I think it's so important to just be honest and ask for help and don't feel like you have to have all of the answers and you definitely are not going to get it right all the time. And that's the, that's the thing is that I, I fear that some people will do nothing because they're afraid to do it wrong. Right. And I think that's a mistake. I think that we should be brave, brave about asking questions. You want to be brave about taking action, but be brave about asking questions and admitting, hey, I don't have all the answers here. I couldn't possibly have all the answers here. And none of our impact drivers listening, many aren't even going to be perceived as someone that would have all of the answers because our areas of strength are the get it done, PMO and project management stuff, right? So It's okay to not have all the answers, but you definitely have a responsibility to yourself and to your team to ask the questions, ask questions of your team, say, how could we be thinking about this differently? Look for ways to learn more, call Sherry and say, hey, we need help. We need to figure this out and do that work because your team, you know, very selfishly, your PMO will benefit. Your PMO will knock it out of the park if you are bringing all the perspectives to the table. And the more people feel included, the more people feel like they're in an equitable environment, the more they're going to be wanting to put their heart and soul into the work they're doing, right? Yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, thank you so much for being here, Sherry. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being a part of the podcast. I appreciate that you are a part of the PMO Impact Summit. And I definitely encourage all of you that are listening, if you've got questions about this, reach out to Sherry. Her website's super easy, sherryjamespmp.com. You can find her on LinkedIn and definitely check out her Instagram IGTV show and her IG lives. She's doing weekly on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central so that you can learn more about these uncomfortable conversations and how to ask the right questions to make sure that your organization and frankly, the future of all PMOs is you know, being a diverse and an equitable environment that people want to be a part of. That's how we lead change and make an impact in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Laura. Now, don't forget, this episode was sponsored by Cora Systems. Cora's platform, Cora PPM, delivers global consistency, powerful insights, total control, and enterprise-wide visibility. That's it for this session, Impact Drivers. Thank you so much for being a part of the PMO Strategies podcast and allowing us to spend a little bit of your day with you. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now. 